Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and soon to be a certified brain rewiring coach. We're going to be talking about all things training, nutrition, mindset, and hormone balancing for the Lady Climber. You can learn more about me and the services I offer over at ladybetacoaching.com and over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching. Let's dive in. Today, I have Caitlin Holmes with me. She is a functional sports nutritionist, and I am so excited to have her on the show. She is a wealth of knowledge. I've learned so much from her, and I think it's going to be so helpful for you guys to listen to nutrition from an actual climber. I think that this is going to be such a big thing. So Caitlin, go ahead and tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Sure, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me on. Super excited to chat today. Um, so. Really, I'm, I'm Caitlin Holmes. I'm a functional sports nutritionist, and I primarily work with climbers on their performance goals, long-term health goals, but essentially I like to just help climbers uh, maintain their well-oiled machines so they can keep climbing for years to come. Um, so yeah. <laughs> awesome. So I know you work with people of all ages, all abilities. What do people typically come to you for wanting to improve? So usually I have, I mean, it's, everybody's so different and they all have different health concerns, but primarily when they're coming to me for climbing, they're interested in giving their climbing an edge, so, you know, mm-hmm. some way to boost performance, give them better recovery off the wall. And then also nutrient timing is a big component of what we also work on. But we, we do talk about mindset work, working on like a cognitive restructuring, you know, deconditioning what we've been taught to think about food for years and our bodies as well. So those are usually the big components of what clients work on with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, let's definitely dive into that. So would you say if somebody was struggling with that, like, would that be the thing, the signal to them to be like, okay, maybe I should work on nutrition. Maybe nutrition for me is that missing piece that I'm, that I don't have. Well, you know, I think a lot of people who do think about nutrition and wanting to come see a nutritionist, they maybe have it in the back of their minds that, oh, you know, my diet is kind of awful and I'd like to adjust what I'm doing because, you know, deep down everybody really knows what the missing puzzle piece could be, but I don't know if people really know how big of a player nutrition is when it comes to climbing and those performance goals. So mm-hmm. it, it really, it's interesting because I think people initially when they come, they're like, oh, well, you know, I do want to work on this, but really I want to boost my climbing. And normally we have to address the other things that could be inhibiting performance goals, you know, like stress in their lives, or maybe they don't have time to prepare food. Maybe, you know, the cost of food is too much. So those are things that we don't really anticipate that we need. And then when you start working with a nutritionist or a health coach or someone like that, it helps you address all of the barriers to having a diet that supports your training goals, your climbing goals, basic mm-hmm. overall performance and long-term health as well. Yep, absolutely. So do people that come to you, they're mostly struggling with things like low energy. Maybe they're thinking about food a lot. Probably they don't know how much they should be eating. Tell me a little bit more about that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, I think 
the big indicators that people need more food are just that overall big, big energy drains during the day, frequently feel that soreness. Sometimes I often will have clients who have really low performance days followed by some, you know, epic performance days where they just crush everything in their paths. So if there's a lot of variation, there's not really a lot of consistency. I think that that goes back to diet in particular. Mm-hmm. That's a big one too, because I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily just because it's normal to have those big crashes in energy doesn't mean it has to be that way. Like there's a lot of work that you can do. So for you, like what are kind of those first steps to working with somebody? Like, what do you look at first? You know, maybe you have that ultimate end goal of like, yeah, we want to get you maybe eating more and consistently and have that nutrient timing. But like, what are kind of that, those first steps for you? So the first steps are usually, you know, we come in, we talk about basic health, health history, uh, anything that's relevant to health in general, but also the, the specific goals they might have. And then we start to build from that foundation of, you know, what's currently happening, what's something that would be sustainable, but also a strategy that's manageable too, that, that's based on how much time someone has to prepare food what type of space they have to prepare food in, how much money they're able to spend on food. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the the cultural types of foods that people might prefer as well. So, you know, like sometimes people, you know, kale is not a superfood for everybody. So it's about finding the balance. And so you start from really square one of what are some of the barriers? What are some of the health concerns? And then what are the performance goals? And then from there, you just start to build and come up with a, a strategy in addition to having that nutrition plan that's you know customized to their needs. But you come up with really manageable, actionable steps that this person can take to really start to develop an awareness of their needs, what they need to take in, what best supports what their goals are in life and on the wall as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's a massive benefit of being able to work with somebody because you could have, quote, the perfect diet that you found online, but if you can't actually (laughs) apply it real life to the things that you do every day and it doesn't fit with how you actually live your life, it's not going to matter. Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, I have some, some of my clients, they come in, they say, oh, they're following the, you know, 40, 30, 30, you know, the macronutrient distribution. So, you know, that works for some, and for some, it doesn't work well. And it also depends on what type of climbing you're prioritizing, what type of training you're prioritizing. So I think when you look online and you find something that you think could work, it doesn't mean that it will for you. It just means, you know, really like nutrition is honestly not a perfect science. And that just means that because everybody is so, so different, everybody needs a specific plan tailored to them, but you won't figure that out overnight. It's not like a, Oh, you know, so-and-so said, this is the best diet for climbers. Well, maybe it's not, maybe for you, it's something totally different. It just depends. So having something customized is kind of the, the big, I think big, big point there. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think for you, you do a great job of really educating your clients and kind of helping them take those training wheels off as they work with you so that they're, they don't need nutrition help for forever. It's like, Hey, let's do some accelerated learning here. Get you feeling good, you know, get you having more energy, probably eating a little bit more. And we're going to touch on that too. (laughs) And then eventually like, you're not going to need me. Like it's going to be, you're going to know what to do. Right. Yeah. That's the perk of working with a nutritionist. You know, we can spend our whole lives questioning the foods that we're eating, looking at all of the confusing advice out there. And until you work with somebody, I really think that we're all just, you know, winging it. We're all roaming around trying to figure out like, well, you know, what the hell do I do? What do, how do I eat? But when you find or when you work with somebody and you're given a customized plan, this gives you that foundation to say, okay, I know what I could be doing. I know what my options are. I'm going to experiment now knowing what could work for me. And then from there, you're able to just develop the strategy for, you know, how to adapt in the future, what types of things work and don't work. So by really giving that space to yourself to, bring awareness to your diet, bring awareness to how your body feels based on what you're eating or doing on a daily basis. I think that that is so, it's so important and it's such a, a, it's an opportunity, like something we don't often do that often, you know, we don't really get to sit there and say like, okay, based on how I'm feeling today, what have I done yesterday, today, and what do I plan to do tomorrow to nourish myself? I mean, how often are we thinking about that? every day. I think that that's a rarity really in today's fast paced economy and society. So, right. And it takes such a positive spin on it too, because probably for a lot of people, nutrition takes up a big percentage of their brain space every day. You know, they're worried about their food choices. You know, did I make the right choice? Maybe there's some shame and some guilt in there as well. But what you're saying is like, when you have these tools and you know, it works for you, it's more of like, how can I nourish my body? Like you said, and how can I make the best decisions for myself? Yes, absolutely. I think when we take away that idea of restriction and, the guilt and shame. And when we reshape the way that we talk to ourselves about our actual selves and then also about our food, it really starts to recondition how we nourish ourselves. We make choices that do nourish our bodies, but we also give ourselves the the ability to have treats without that guilt. And I know that that sounds, you know, kind of crazy because to most people who, you know, if, if you find yourself binging on sugar, you know, maybe the problem isn't that you are out of control. The problem is that you've been conditioned to think that that's something to be guilty for. When in reality, maybe you're just not eating enough. So of course your body is craving sugar. It's craving carbs. It's craving energy sources. So by removing that restriction, we just open up the space for us to take in more, focus on our bodies giving us that ability to boost our health and we worry less about that, you know, having to restrict in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you see with clients a lot is the under eating? I would say the first thing I address with every single client is under eating. And (laughs) this is for every client, you know, any gender, any level of climbing, 
I think all of us under eat and, you know, maybe that's just a product of what we've been taught over time. Maybe we just don't understand what the right amount is to be taking in, but a huge, you know, problem in, I think, especially athletes, but also climbers, we just, we don't take the time to eat at the crag. We don't take the time to eat during long training sessions. And, you know, we just, we're not aware of what we could and should be taking in. It's not to say that there's a perfect, you know, amount. It could vary on a day-to-day basis, but I definitely think with most, well, every client I currently see, we all, all of them, we're working on increasing our uh, daily intake of calories, but especially from really all of the macronutrients, all carbs, fat, and protein. I think everybody's taking in less than they could be taking in. Yeah. So what does that process look like? Because I think a lot of people might hear that and they're like, no, I swear I'm eating enough. You know, I have people tell me that all the time and I'm like, well, you're probably not. Um, And I know mentally it can be difficult to start adding more food in. So what does that process look like for you? So it, everybody's different. Again, some, you know, some people I'll show them what they could be taking in versus what they're currently taking in. And that's enough of an eye opener. Like, wow, okay. I'm only taking in the basic amount I need, you know, the basal metabolic rate or BMR, I'm only taking in that per day, which is basically what you burn sitting on the couch all day. (laughs) So when we talk about what they could be taking in and they're like, Oh, okay. You know, I'm really tired. And now all of a sudden I'm taking in more and surprise, I'm not tired. That's enough of a connection for them to build on those habits and take in more for others. I think taking in more really gives us a sense of fear because we think, well, if I take in more, won't I put on weight? And that's not true because when you provide what your body needs, you are, you know, your body's not holding on to that, those, you know, fat sources for protection around your organs. Your body knows that it's being nourished. It's utilizing that energy pretty quickly. And in addition to that, when you're taking in enough nutrients, you don't have cravings. You don't have those binges or where you're grazing. So really you're, you're balancing out your behaviors in a way that you're, you're just providing this good foundation of nutrition. So your body is not needing to take in other, you know, those guilty, those quote, bad sources of foods. So to the body, it's just, it feels satiated. And that absolutely is reflected in, you know, how you feel and the way that you process food and the way that you process energy sources as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so two things, what a good problem to have. You need to eat more. What an awesome thing to be able to do. Like that's your homework. How to eat. Never been told that, right? (laughs) I know. Like lucky us. Like that's so great. And then the second thing too is like, I don't think people understand how stressful it is on the body to chronically under eat. Like that Mm -hmm. stress level puts our body in flight or fight. And it does, it spikes up cortisol, which tells our Mm -hmm. body, hold on to this weight because I'm not sure the next time you're going to feed me, you know, like we don't know that our bodies don't know the difference between restricting calories and a famine. Like it just can't make that distinction. Unfortunately, evolution, you know, (laughs) this is how our bodies are. Absolutely. And, you know, restriction long-term just causes complete chaos with hormones, men and women, you know, every hormone is affected when you are not taking in enough nutrients. And I think too, you know, our sleep is completely disrupted because that's also part of hormones as well. And we're just, you know, we're, we're diminishing our ability to fight 
our any type of cold virus, you know, our immune systems are completely compromised when we undereat as well. And it just, it completely turns our systems into, you know, wacky chaos when we're not taking in enough nutrients. And then, you know, if you have a stress, stressful life in general too, just imagine what not taking in enough nutrients is doing to the rest of your body. It's crazy. Yeah, it's not it's not worth it. And so for you, you've talked about strength weight. So we all kind of have heard, oh, climbing is a strength to weight ratio sport. Mm-hmm. But tell me for you kind of like the role that weight plays in climbing and why you came up with that, you know, the strength weight. Yeah, so strength weight was something that my husband and I actually, we were driving to Waco and he had put on quite a bit of weight from quarantine. You know, I had to, I think that this is just kind of the norm these days, but we were talking about it in terms of, you know, like we're not really, our performance hasn't really changed. We're climbing. Well, in fact, we've, we're climbing harder than we were pre quarantine. We've trained a lot. We've put a lot of time and energy into boosting our performance with specific training and we've increased our intake of calories, but from very specific nutrient dense sources. And we were like, okay, how do we come up with this? How do we reframe this in a positive way? Because the idea of send weight to me is just infuriating because when you lose weight for a project, even if that's one or two pounds and you really restrict you're going to come out and maybe you will do your project. You'll send it. You'll have a great day. But then two weeks from then, you know, two months from then, you won't have enough power because you are inevitably losing muscle mass. That is what goes first. Your body holds on to as much fat as it possibly can because like you said, if you're in that fight or flight, if you're in famine, your body is like, I am not going to give up my protective layer. So you lose muscle first and foremost. And that is, you cannot stop that. So if you lose weight for the send, are you going to have enough power, energy, mental capacity for the next climb, for the next training session? No, absolutely not. So we were trying to come up with something that felt positive, but also just gave us this you know, mental boost of, okay, I am at strength weight and strength weight is really just what you weigh when you, you know, you put in the time and energy into training, you put on muscle and with muscle comes more weight because muscle weighs more than fat. So that's just the reality of it. So that's one of the things that with my clients we've been talking about lately is instead of weighing ourselves and measuring our success based on that scale number, we've been measuring strength weight. So that could be, okay, today I climbed really well. I felt super strong and maybe, you know, I had, I had X, Y, Z before I did this for my recovery meal. I had these supplements. Okay. That day's done. The next day, oh, I felt, you know, not so strong, not so powerful. My strength weight, you know, I felt pretty low in the strength department. Well, then think about, well, what did I do that day? Did I not eat? Did I not give myself the recovery day that I needed? Was I dehydrated? Could be a lot of things. So I think that for me to address the send weight concern for a lot of clients and transform that into strength weight. It gives us the sense of empowerment because instead of worrying about how heavy we are, what we look like, you think more about the time and energy that you're putting into your training and to your climbing 
And I mean, you, you deserve to feel good about the strength that you've put into your life. But there's just, you know, your body deserves that. So it's, it's just dedication and acknowledging that you've given yourself the space to, you know, improve upon your sport. So why not celebrate it? Yeah. So, I mean, if you've been waiting for permission, here you have it. Eat the food. Yes. Eat it. You need it. You have permission. <laughs> yes. And that's just such a such a good way to think about it. It's so refreshing, honestly, because so I know for myself, like I've been stuck in that place where it's like, oh man, I really thought I needed to lose weight to send harder. And I ended up getting very injured. I took a lot of time off climbing because of that. And ultimately like that did not help my climbing, you know, like a lot of people, sure. Yeah. You've gained weight in quarantine. It's the stress. Like that's, that stresses function because again, it's trying to protect us and reframing it like this is awesome because you're like, yeah, so what I'm heavier, maybe I could actually climb harder. I just have to give myself that chance. Like I have to actually think it's possible first and foremost. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if I had heard myself saying the concept of strength weight, even just two years ago, I'd have been like, "Eh, I don't know. But, you know, coming from like my first year of climbing, you know, whenever years ago, I just, you know, I, I got really into it really fast. I started training and I, within the first year fell and broke my ankle and then started training more and then suddenly lost weight because I, I don't know, maybe I just, I wasn't deadlifting anymore. And I you know, had changed my strategy to only hangboarding. So when I came back, I was crushing. And of course, at that time, I was like, oh, well, I lost weight. Therefore, okay, makes sense. But then I spent the next three years after that at a plateau. So, you know, by restricting, you know, taking in far less than I should have been taking in, I just completely, you know, changed how I was climbing. I lost interest. I was so miserable. I did not have a good time outside. I had miserable climbing days inside and it just took a long time to, you know, get connect the dots to be like, Oh, right. I'm taking in, you know, 30% fewer calories than I should be taking in. And even for myself on a daily basis, when I take in more, it's still the deconditioning, you know, you're, you're telling yourself, okay, I have to eat more in order to perform, but also just to function and be a a person. (laughs) And especially like you said, during the stressful time, I think, you know, nourishing your body is one of the things that we, we can do effectively. And I, it's, I think it's so important for us to realize that the restriction is just a downward spiral and doesn't help at all in any capacity. Right. Yeah. And I know for you, a big piece of kind of your nutrition puzzle has been intuitive eating. And that's something that for me, I'm like, wow, this, this concept could help so many people. So could you tell me a little bit more about intuitive eating? Sure. So the intuitive eating just in general is the practice of mindfully acknowledging your unique nutrition needs through hunger cues. So There's, of course, some nuance here with athletes, especially climbers. I think that for us, intuitive eating becomes more about knowing when you've put the work in and knowing when you need to eat more and when you need to rest. So I think, you know, intuitive eating is based on a book. It's been really successful and there are 10 principles that it follows. But I think for us, 
it's more about enjoying food. It's about rejecting the diet culture or restricting or uh, rejecting that restriction that we've imposed on ourselves. And it encourages our awareness of what our actual needs are. So for example, today I felt really weak. I didn't have power and I was tired. So if you connect the dots and you say, okay, maybe it's because yesterday I didn't eat enough or maybe I needed a rest day or maybe, you know, my hormone, where I am in my cycle, if, if you menstruate, where you are in your cycle can also determine how you're feeling too. So by becoming more aware of what else is happening in your life on a daily basis and then connecting that to how you feel on the wall, how you feel in general during the day, I think that that is a big component of intuitive eating for me at least. You know, I, I like the concept of being able to nourish our bodies and being mindful of what that nutrition looks like, but also becoming aware of what our body needs and listening to more than just the hunger cues, you know, because I think a lot of us too, you know, when we're exercising or on rest days, we're we're just not hungry, but that's completely normal. But it doesn't mean that you don't need to eat. It just means knowing that, okay, I trained today. I have to eat even if I'm not hungry. My body deserves to be nourished because I've put this type of stress on it, which is, you know, that's a big part of it. Yep. Yeah. And I think too, so, I mean, for me anyway, I'm like, this sounds, this is like the answer. Like this is the place (laughs) you want to get to, you know, it it just sounds good to be so in tune with how you're feeling. And I mean, honestly, rid yourself of any quote food rules that you might have. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. things like, oh, I don't eat past a certain time. I only eat within a certain window. Maybe I don't eat X, Y, and Z foods. Like all of these rules that we've picked up from somewhere, like being able to say, I'm going to shed all of those and then really see and listen to my own body. Yeah, I love that. Like you said, restricting, but also getting rid of those food rules. I hate food rules. They just... They don't benefit anybody, you know, and I think as athletes, we have to remember that we are athletes. We have to eat like one, even if we, you know, we don't consider ourselves full-time athletes or we don't feel like we're deserving of that title. We are, we, we have to eat like that. And in order to do that, you do need to become aware of what, you know, how your body is feeling based on what you are or you're not doing. And by getting rid of those food rules, you know, it it brings that joy back to eating and makes it less of a chore, makes it something that we can actually enjoy doing and, you know, doing for our bodies, if for nothing or no one else, it's, it's for us. I mean, it has so many powerful downstream consequences of, you know, helping mental health, helping our hormone balance, gut health, immunity, and just overall, you know, better responses to our training. I mean, that's the best thing you could ever ask for. So. More gains. Bring on the gains, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who might be like a good candidate to start looking into intuitive eating if they haven't already? I generally recommend it to people who don't like tracking and potentially if they've had a history of disordered eating or eating disorders, then, you know, intuitive eating is a good option for them because it, it does help to break down those food rules without being harsh or self-critical. It kind of removes the, you know, the judgmental 
aspects of nutrition and gives us some wiggle room to experiment, which is great. So I like, I really like to recommend it for really a lot of my clients. Some people want to take, you know, they want to track what they're taking in and that helps them see the visual. But those who really struggle with taking in enough because of some type of guilt or shame, I think intuitive eating is the best approach and the best strategy just to help them feel good about what they're eating, give them the ability and the permission to eat more, get comfortable with trying new things and just really giving themselves the opportunity to have that cause and effect type of relationship with how they treat their body and how they're feeling based on that. Yeah. I mean, again, that's why I'm like, this is the answer. Like this is the (laughs) thing that's not that it's going to fix everything, but I I really think if people haven't looked into this yet, like I'll link that book that you talked about in the the show Mm -hmm. notes, but I think the goal is always to eat more food, to have more options, not to say, Hey, I eat like three things. Like the goal is Mm -hmm. to never be in that restricted state and to just really listen to the cues your body's giving you. And maybe you've gone a really long way from being able to listen to that, but you can come back to it. You know, like it might take a little bit, but you can come back and listen to your body. Oh yeah. There's definitely not an overnight adjustment, you know, whereas like any other diet you can be like, okay, tomorrow I am doing you know, plant-based or tomorrow I'm going to start keto or whatever. Intuitive eating is not restrictive, meaning it's something you learn to do. It's a skill. It's not a diet that you impose on yourself. You're not eliminating anything. You're simply just eating and you're fueling your body. So, you know, with that comes the, uh, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, if I can eat anything I want, won't I just eat junk all the time? And I think that that is a myth in, with intuitive eating. You know, some people may, may question that. But the thing to remember is that when you allow yourself to eat foods and you know that you want and need to nourish your body, you will start emphasizing those foods and then occasionally having treats. And because you've removed this good or bad category on a food, you won't feel like you need to lust after it as much, you know, by saying, oh, well, cookies are, you know, that's a food, whatever. You're not going to have, you know, 10 cookies in a sitting because you're like, "Eh, I've had enough. I want to nourish my body in other ways. It's about balance. So I think that that is a big component of it for me. And I, like you said, I think it's a really good approach and could be a great answer for a lot of people just struggling with how to eat, when to eat, why to eat. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, everybody needs to go check it out. I mean, why not? Like what's, what's the downside there? Like you're going to get in tune with your body more. That's only going to be a good thing. Definitely. I could not agree more. (laughs) Yeah. So you touched on protein a little bit, but so for me as a coach, a lot of the things that I see when I do work on clients with nutrition is overall low calories. That's like the first and foremost, that's always the first one. And then the next one is like low protein. So talk to me a little bit about how important protein is, if it's important. And then also I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, animal-based protein versus plant-based protein. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So protein in athletes, of course, if you are in a muscle building phase and you want to put on muscle, 
then protein is an essential part of the diet. So of course it still needs to be in balance with your other macros, carbs and fat. But for me, I generally, I recommend a bit higher than maybe the average uh, nutritionist would, but the recommended daily allowance or the RDA in general in the US is 0.8 grams per kilogram of protein, which is super low. I would never <laughs> recommend it even for the inactive, you know, older person. I, I would never even recommend that low. So for me, I usually recommend a, at least above 1.6 grams per kilogram, all the way up to two grams per kilogram. And the higher number especially is important for injuries. So if you are in recovery, higher protein is critical to help in, improve that immune response. So, you know, with inflammation, a lot of the inflammatory components and what helps the immune system manage that inflammation, it comes from protein. You have to be taking in protein to deal with that. But then also if you're trying to just build muscle, you have to be in that positive protein state of taking in more protein to help boost that, the, you know, the protein muscle synthesis and just getting that mechanism moving and trying to add more of that. And then to speak to plant-based versus animal-based, I don't know if you had a specific question there or if I should just ramble on about it. <laughs> okay, so truly if you are plant-based, you can absolutely get what you need from that. But it is more difficult than say, you know, taking in a piece of chicken will definitely be easier than having to think about taking in all of the necessary nutrients you need for a plant-based protein because there are essential or what they call indispensable amino acids and you cannot make them in your body. So essential or indispensable just means that our body cannot actually build those amino acids and we need them. So in order to get them, you have to take them in from food. And all meat-based or animal-based protein sources have the complete set, whereas plant-based sources do not, which is fine, but you have to do what's called a complementary protein. So that's taking in legumes or beans with a grain or a seed or nut. So you have to have that combination in order to balance the missing amino acids. And there are some plant-based protein sources that are quite high in most of those essential amino acids, but it's not a complete amount. So things like tofu, spirulina, and quinoa are, are pretty high, but you still have to balance that out with either those, you know, the, the magic combination of nuts, seeds, grains, and a legume as well. So that's kind of why you would see like with tempeh, for example, which is a fermented soy, if you see the five grain tempeh, that's a complete protein because you have the grains with the legumes. So there is some, some added effort, but it's definitely possible. And I think a lot of the plant-based athletes out there are definitely not getting enough of the protein if they're not mindful of those complementary proteins. 
okay just popping in here so caitlin and i were actually talking about plant-based protein and this is something that i see with my clients all the time is that overall they're just really low in their protein intake and one of the easiest ways to start to fix that is to start using protein either in a shake or in a smoothie or in your oatmeal in the morning and one of my favorite ways to do that is by using fizzy vantage so i really love their power plex protein i am not generally a big fan of plant-based proteins but this one is so good it's mainly a pea base and it's lightly sweetened it's seriously it's so good i love their vanilla spice flavor i use it all of the time i usually bring a shaker bottle with me to the gym and i put some of the protein in the bottom and then I fill it up with water when I leave. I think it's such an easy way to start getting more protein in your diet. And you can also bake with this too. I'm actually coming up with a muffin recipe as we speak. I'm so excited. So if you're looking to try out some of their products, you can actually use the code LADYBETA and get 15% off of your order. Again, I love the PowerPlex and the vanilla spice flavor. And they also just came out with their collagen in a vanilla flavor as well. Usually I'm a chocolate gal, but for real, I love these vanilla flavors. They feel so natural and they taste amazing. The collagen is more of an animal-based protein, but again, like overall making sure that you're getting enough protein is so crucial. I mean, if you're under that threshold of let's say 80 grams of protein per day, you're probably not getting enough to really see all those gains and benefits out of your training plan. We want to make sure that you're getting the biggest and best gains that you can. I mean, if you're gonna put in the time and energy to do the training, make sure that you're getting those results that you want. So again, if you go to fizzyvantage.com, you can use the code LADYBETA, all caps, no spaces, and you'll get 15% off of your order. Yeah. And then also there's probably to the bioavailability in the body, you know? So just because mm-hmm. something says, oh, there's eight grams of protein in here doesn't necessarily mean your body is going to digest all of those eight grams of plant-based protein. Right. Right. And it goes back to, you know, just not having the right balance of the amino acids. So, I mean, yeah, of course, you know, like vegetables do have protein, but it's not the same as like one gram of, you know, meat protein versus one gram of vegetable protein. It is different. And I think the important thing to just remember and for listeners is just to keep in mind that protein will be an important nutrient for vegans, vegetarians. And it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It doesn't mean that you have to be eating all day long. It just means that that's something to be really mindful of because if you're not taking in enough protein as an athlete, you're going to feel horrible when you climb. You're not going to see gains. You're not going to have that positive uh, you know, protein balance in the body to start building that muscle. You know, I tried it. I, I was vegan for four years. And for me, I ultimately just didn't take in enough calories, but especially from protein. Even though at the time I, I thought I knew what I was doing, I still, I needed desperately to be doing more. Even if that meant a daily protein shake, so, so important just to boost your protein because I was pretty thin at the time, but I was, you know, I felt like I couldn't put on muscle, even if I tried. It just, there was nothing that I could do to increase my muscle if I wasn't taking in the right protein and the right amounts. Yeah, and especially too, if you're training, like if you're going to try so hard physically, like your nutrition needs to support that. Like getting enough protein is like saying, hey, yeah, I would like those gains, please. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's effectively not really possible if you're not taking enough protein. I mean, it's, you know, it's called the, the positive nitrogen balance, which we don't have to get into that, but you, you have to be in that positive balance in order to put on muscle. It's just, that's the way it goes. That is, you know, the physiologically what happens. <laughs> yeah. So beyond working with a nutritionist to help figure this out, could somebody just use a tracking app like MyFitnessPal to figure this out for themselves? I think you absolutely can. You can use tracking apps. And I think there are a lot of great ones out there. The only downside is, you know, you have to spend a lot of time trying to experiment, trying to understand, well, what's the right balance of macronutrients for me. And the other thing is too, with athletes doing a percent distribution of your macronutrients may not be an effective strategy, may need to be doing those grams per kilogram, because that is what supports the body more so than what that percent distribution would be. So I think if you're willing to take the time and you have the ability to experiment, great. Definitely take advantage of those free apps out there. But ultimately, I think it's so important to work with somebody just so you have a clear answer. You have clear advice. You just you get that clarity on all of the really confusing information out there, because ultimately, until you have a customized breakdown of what you could and should be doing, you're going to have no idea. And it could take you years to come across the perfect method for you by experimentation. So. I mean, the best option is to start now working with somebody who can also hold you accountable, but give you the support you really need to make sure the plan works for you, make sure it's going to be a long-term strategy, and then also give you the tools to adapt in the future. You know, when you maybe stop training as hard, maybe you're going to train harder, or maybe you, you know, you change sports, just having that option to grow and give you that, that skill set as a foundation, I think is so important that you can't get from apps. Yeah. And it's so hard too, when you're in your own body each and every day, like there's just things that you can't see, like somebody outside of you is going to be able to spot the gaps and the holes and say like, Hey, I made this connection. Whereas like you living in your body every day, you're like, Oh my God, I didn't even know. (laughs) Right. Definitely. I mean, even with myself working with a nutritionist in the past, before I went back to school, learning that I probably wasn't taking in enough, you know, that's kind of big when you, when somebody else tells you something that you've either never thought about or is opposite of what you've been thinking. I think that that is really important and helps you understand more about yourself because if we're not taking the time to connect with ourselves in a way that also, you know, we have somebody there to support us while we're going through a change. I mean, change is hard. It's, <laughs> it's not an overnight thing. So to have somebody there to be a cheerleader and help us feel like, okay, we're on the right track. We're doing the right things. It's just so, so important. Yeah, it, it really is. So I want to talk a little bit about fueling for climbing sessions. Mm-hmm. So let's do two different scenarios. One, let's do like a training session. So maybe it's like a couple of hours long. And then the other one, kind of like a longer crag day. Maybe people just go out for the entire day. Like what would be the difference between fueling those two sessions? So the only thing I would say about 
the difference is that if you're going into the gym and you have a very specific isolated session for training where you're not really taking many rests, that's when it's going to be compacted into that one, you know, time frame. So with training, I always like to suggest a carb heavy snack within the hour or two before. And that could be something like, you know, it could be a banana. It could be a, an energy bar. It could be like a, a, you know, protein muffin, something like that. Um, so essentially if you've had a meal within the two hours before, you probably don't need to fuel, but usually for most people who are training in the evenings or after work, it's been a while since lunch. So taking in a snack is super, super important. And then if your session is lasting more than an hour, that's when you probably need to be taking in a carb heavy snack as well. So I always tell my clients to prioritize liquid-based carbs during their sessions, just because that's a great way to get hydration. But then also, you know, you get get the carbs. So you're getting a, a constant source of energy while also staying hydrated. But you could do solid-based um, carb sources as well. And that could be, again, pieces of fruit, could be um, like the dried fruits, especially not too much, but just a tiny bit here and there. And a lot of people will do like um, energy chews, like, you know, honey stingers, things like that. You could again do like crackers or a, a bar. And then after the training session, you would want to do a protein shake or some type of uh, 25 to 30 grams of protein, which is like the size of a, a deck of cards. So if you're not going to eat within the two hours after training, you know, eat a meal, for example, then I would say definitely prioritize protein, but you could do um, a carb and a protein snack if you're not going to be doing your dinner recovery meal. And that's just because after your workout, exercise has what's called an insulin-like effect. So our bodies are primed to take in lots of glucose to replace the stored glycogen that was used during our workout, but then also take in protein because that helps start that muscle protein synthesis process of muscle building. So if you take in things like uh, yogurt with fruit on the bottom, you could take in a ham and cheese sandwich, maybe egg and cheese. You could take in crackers with peanut butter, you know, something like that. That's a, the carb and the protein snack is super important, especially if you're not going to be having that recovery meal within those two hours. So the way that that changes over the course of a day, as a general rule of thumb, most of my clients will know that they need to take one meal with them and then they need to take two to three snacks. So of course that depends on what type of crag they're at. Are they sport climbing? Are they bouldering? Are they doing multi-pitch? It does change slightly, but definitely eat a great breakfast in the morning and then make time for a lunch during the day. And that doesn't have to be like this massive extravagant thing. It could be a wrap. It could be some pasta. It could be, you know, whatever you want to bring to the crack as a meal. Give yourself the space and the time to actually eat it. Give yourself that hour because then you'll go into your afternoon feeling awesome. You'll be way more psyched to climb. You'll have the power. You can give it your all on your project, not just in your morning session. And then also with snacking too. I mean, if anybody climbs with me, I'm snacking all the time. And that's just because after your burns, you want to make sure your body still has nutrients. You don't want to be over full. 
but it's finding that balance of what would work again, trial and error. And then at the end of your long crag day, taking in your recovery meal is super important too, but I always have a protein shake on the way home from Waco or we'll go climb in Cloudcroft, New Mexico and do some sport routes. So I always have that protein on hand afterwards just for that, you know, quick little boost of energy, but also to help with the muscle building process and then help minimize soreness the next day. Super important. So long-winded response, but (laughs) eat more essentially. Long story short. (laughs) I mean, that was so helpful. It's like very actionable things that people can do. And I think too, kind of the theme behind that is like, yeah, just be prepared. Just think about what you're going to be doing for the day. And it's not super hard to just like grab a blender bottle, put some protein powder in there. Great. (laughs) You're good to go. Like it just takes a little bit more forethought. Yeah. I think preparation, as you said, is so key. And a lot of clients will come to me and say that one of their biggest downfalls is not preparing. And I think, you know, we're really psyched. We're psyched to go out and climb, but you aren't going to climb the things you want to climb with as much vigor as you would like to think you'll have if you don't prepare. And that means having a breakfast in the morning. That means drinking water. That means having a a lunch break and letting your body truly recover. And then having the afternoon to, you know, maximize and improve your performance and then have those snacks to help keep you going along the way too. So you want to stay at this like level of, you know, psych and power throughout the day, not constantly dip because you're going into the hangry cycle. So it's avoidable. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And okay. There's so many more things that we could dive into and I'm definitely going to have you back on the show again, because again, you're a wealth of knowledge. Like you, (laughs) you just know so much. So you have a couple exciting things coming up. So what are the ways that, I mean, everybody's so excited now to work with you. I'm (laughs) sure like in what ways can people work with you? Yeah. So I will be taking on a few, uh, clients coming up pretty soon. I have a big Black Friday deal. But essentially, my best recommendation is if somebody is really struggling with their nutrition or they're interested in making a change, reach out. Direct message me on Instagram. Um, You can send me an email as well. But truly, if you want to improve your nutrition and understand what the best method for you is and how you can feel better about your nutrition, yourself, your health, and, you know, reach out. And I, I would love to work with you and to help you get to where you want to go. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and I'll let everybody know where they can find you on Instagram and your website so they can stay connected. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I hope you loved that interview with Caitlin as much as I did. I certainly learned a ton. And I think one of the biggest takeaways is a lot of us think that we're eating, quote, enough. But what does enough really mean? Is that just enough as a person, you know, doing our daily activities? Or is that enough as an athlete? And thinking of yourself more as an athlete and nutrition as it's another piece of the puzzle that maybe we do need to be putting a lot more time and effort into. And for me, like, I'm so excited to learn more about intuitive eating and start to incorporate some of that and I think it's just going to be a really big game changer. So if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please make sure to let me know. Leave a rating and a review. If you want to, you can tag us 
me and Caitlin in your Instagram stories. I would love to see that you're enjoying this and listening. And if you do leave a rating and review, you'll be entered to win a training plan. I do monthly giveaways for training plans and I'm so excited. We just had our first winner last month. So thank you so much and have a great rest of your day.